area code. Never smoker, you are about to be more excited right now because you are about to get into my rights and Smizi Sotaba, who is the co-founder and CEO of Africa Cannabis Advisory Group and a medical cannabis and industrial hemp services provider offering strategy, investment, compliance, exports and technology solutions to the African cannabis industry. He has an extensive experience covering Africa, specializing in capital markets, deal structuring, syndication, venture, uh, venture capital, fundraising, hedge solutions and portfolio management. Uspusiso has also worked with African government, sovereign wealth funds, central banks, pension pension funds, insurers and assets managers over his career and his closing transaction worth um, worth over $5 billion. And last year in 2021, he was named top 10 most inspiring business leaders by USA-based Beyond Exclamation for his work in the cannabis industry. We have Usbusi Soklaba in the building, ladies and gentlemen, as we're about to talk about the legal and what is legal and what is not legal when it comes to, um, when it comes to cannabis. Thank you so much, Usbusi um, for joining us this morning. Sibusiso? Hi, Hello. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm very good. How are you? We are excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. I mean, we're about to have an interesting conversation as to South Africans who are cannabis smokers really don't know what is legal and what is not legal. I mean, in, I mean, in September um, 2018 already, the recreational use of um, cannabis was legalized in South Africa, but it came under strict measures. Can you kindly um, explain to us what exactly is permitted and what is not permitted with regards to cannabis laws in South Africa? Because in the same breath, private use of cannabis has been decriminalized but the buying and selling of cannabis um, cannabis oils as well and cannabis seeds remains illegal we are all under um, under a dark cloud here please enlighten us definitely so the regulations in, in South Africa are definitely very confusing um, there's probably about four or five different types of uh, applications and frameworks for the cannabis industry. And so understandably, it's, uh, it's caused a lot of uh, challenges for you know individuals who consume cannabis who are interested in, uh, in going into the cannabis industry and so forth. But in a nutshell, um, you touched on the Constitutional Court judgment in 2018, where cannabis uh, was, uh, the consumption of cannabis in a private space was deemed uh, a human right. Um, and so that really set off uh, a domino effect that uh, effectively created where we are today. Um, now, that judgment basically gave Parliament two years in order to amend the laws, the country's laws, to permit the um, cultivation consumption of, of cannabis. Um, we, that resulted in something called the Cannabis for Private Purposes Bill, which is still being uh, finalized, but this is effectively the change in law that will, that will allow people to uh, use cannabis, grow cannabis, uh, and so forth. What is currently permitted under um, uh, under this uh, constitutional court judgment is people growing cannabis within their homes. So that's fully legal. You can actually grow cannabis at home. You can consume cannabis uh, as long as it's in a private uh, uh, space. Um, what's what's quite uh, important to just keep a note of is the quantity, the limits that are allowed under um, under the proposed law. So we've got basically a maximum of four flowering plants uh, for an individual uh, living at, at home and up to eight for uh, a space where two people live together. Um, in terms of quantities, you're talking about 600 grams of dried 
uh, cannabis flower if you live alone, and up to 1.2 kilograms if you live in a household of, with two or more adults. Um, but where things really get confusing is that there's the human right component or the uh, individual component of the industry. But then there's uh, another in, uh, component of the industry which uh, is related to being able to commercially um, trade in cannabis. So under the human right framework, you cannot trade cannabis. You can't sell uh, products with um, uh, cannabis for income. You are, however, allowed to give cannabis uh, to to friends and family and uh, and so forth. But there's another framework under which we look at, which is medical cannabis. With medical cannabis, there's a there's a licensing regime where you apply for license uh, to cultivate uh, and sell cannabis. Uh, it's usually a very lengthy and capital intensive process. It can take um, even up to two years um, and require sort of no, well north of five million rand. Um, and that's uh, that's sort of where a lot, lot of the commercial activity is happening within cannabis. Um, and then lastly, um, because I know this is a mouthful and it's a lot to, to digest, but lastly, there's a special exemption for a compound found in cannabis called cannabidiol or CBD. Now, CBD is one of two very famous um, and well-researched compounds within a cannabis plant. There's THC, which is responsible for us getting that feeling of being high, um, and that's controlled. That's a very controlled substance. But under CD, uh, uh, um, there's another compound called CBD, which actually has a lot of positive health um, benefits. It helps with stress, anxiety, um, inflammation, um, sleep, and that has actually been allowed uh, to, to be sold and traded. So you can find CBD products in, uh, in Discam, in Clicks, uh, in online, uh, and so forth. Um, and then lastly, just to maybe add the last bit of, you know, sort of uh, information that increases the confusion a little bit, there's another vertical in cannabis known as hemp. Now, hemp is um, cannabis that has got very, very little amounts of THC. Um, and hemp uh, can actually be processed into uh, a lot of end products. So the hemp fiber and the hemp herd can create over 50,000 end products, including textiles, clothing, um, hempcrete for the building industry, um, um, hemp plastic, which is a sustainable and biodegradable form of plastic. Um, and that's another um, sphere within the cannabis ecosystem that's uh, also in the process and, and developing in South Africa. So <laughs> as you can see just from that sort of simple snapshot, it is extremely confusing in terms of uh, the different uh, you know, types of activities that are happening in South Africa for cannabis and the varying levels of legality. I absolutely, absolutely must say that the highlight for me is how you have elaborated and expanded on the different uses of cannabis, especially looking at the medical side of things and also weighing in on personal use as well. Now, going into personal use, how do we differentiate being in a private and in a public space? Because the argument here now becomes that you can't smoke in your car because obviously you're on a public road or what is the, the underlying line that differentiates between a public space and a private space where you can use cannabis? Sure. So that's an excellent question. And I think this is actually um, heavily debated at the moment. Um, so in terms of sort of the classic uh, definition that's been uh, provided when we look at the draft bill, it says that um, if cannabis is uh, concealed in a manner that it is um, not in public view, then that actually uh, is enough to say that it's a private space. Now, the, the challenge comes in when, you know, for example, uh, you, you have individuals who 
um, uh, you know, may not be able to have, you know, the, 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 the space to grow cannabis at home um, and, and, and in essence are, are unable to supply themselves with their own cannabis. And so you've actually had a very interesting development. Uh, this is actually in the court already where certain groups have actually set up what they term uh, Dhaka clubs or, you know, sort of cannabis clubs where they, they argue that um, I don't have the space to grow cannabis at home, but I'm outsourcing that going to someone else, which is which is which where it's happening in a private space, and these individuals will pay sort of a membership fee of sorts uh, for you know sort of admin and, and so forth. But that then allows them to to um, actually have cannabis that's uh, that's been grown. But it's an extremely gray area around what is public and private and where that line uh, is drawn from uh, you know from a legal perspective. Now, speaking from personal use to public use, how do we then um, find stores that are able to sell cannabis, citing medical reason, as you've mentioned? And what are legal references do these stores have to sell? Sure. So this is, um, you know, something that has also been really confusing because you find a lot of these stores in extremely public areas, shopping malls uh, and and the like. Um, And in a nutshell, any a retail store that's selling a THC product, so the compound that can get you high, um, is doing it illegally. Um, and, you know, the question then is how, how can someone operate an illegal store for months, if not years? Um, and it's a question mark that we also ask ourselves because, um, in theory, those businesses, um, you know, should someone report them to the police and, and so forth, they should be shut down and, and prosecution should happen. Um, so I think there is this... Um, uh, you know, there, there is, uh, you know, sort of question marks about how these uh, sort of um, sellers are able to get around uh, this, uh, this issue of not being able to be allowed to sell cannabis legally. Um, and it's one that we still, you know, we still, you know, spend a lot of time trying to, to, to really get to the bottom of it. But in theory, they aren't, they aren't committed. Now, looking at the different um, amounts of grams that needs to be on you, especially when you're looking at um, legality of being arrested and how much should be on you and how much shouldn't be on you, I do understand that in the beginning you also stipulated that this is something that you need to grow at home and you can't consume um, from a different individual. Now, only 100 grams or less of cannabis can be found in a person's possession. But now, what does the law say when you are found selling stuff like your space muffins, your edibles? You know, the list is endless when people use the use of cannabis. Um, sure. So, so that's um, uh, that's essentially in a controlled narcotic. Um, and so, as much as the cannabis for private purposes bill is looking to, um, you know, sort of uh, recalibrate the sentencing for people that, for example, are selling, you know, space muffins and or even cannabis. Uh, to, to sort of a much lower uh, sort of um, uh, repercussions in terms of, of, of the law. At, at present, it, it, is the, um, it is categorized as actually dealing in, uh, an, uh, in a controlled substance which has very substantial penalties. Um, you know, if, if you're talking about extremely low quantities, that could be a fine, uh, but uh, quantities where, you know, the, um, uh, the, the police might be at a... Uh, as potentially uh, implying uh, the dealing in, implying dealing in cannabis, that could be two to ten years in prison. Um, but I think the positive part about all of this is that there is a, um, uh, a very clear intent in terms of the new bill uh, to um, to sort of re uh, classify 
the severity of um, selling cannabis or uh, having too much cannabis on you. And it's a, it's a sort of an ongoing uh, deliberation that's happening around the cannabis for private purposes, though. Now, Spusisa, let's look at um, the, the, the conviction. Should one be fined within X amount of grams of cannabis? What other charges could one face? Um, sure. So it, um, it varies. But, you know, for example, if, if, if the quantities are deemed to be quantities that uh, the law can view as uh, the intent to deal cannabis, those can be extremely harsh, even up to 10 years in prison. Um, now, as, as mentioned, I think the, one of the key positive thing that we see in cannabis for private purposes though, is a really a, 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 a re- regulating and lowering of sentences for people who sort of infringe uh, or, or break some of these laws. And I think that's a, definitely a step in the right direction. Um, and I must say that, you know, one of the big challenges that the cannabis industry has globally, particularly in the U.S., is this uh, situation where um, minorities have been given, you know, extreme sentences, in some instances life sentences, sentences for simply possessing cannabis. And I think they, as cannabis legalization continues to, to steadily progress, um, these laws really have to be um, readjusted uh, and, and sort of reflect the, um, the potential, quote-unquote, danger of cannabis, which is obviously the safest illicit drug in the world. Now, very quickly, specifically before I let you go, been quite an interesting conversation. A person who uses cannabis for medical use, do they have to? Do they need documentation on them? Maybe most of the time, just in case any legal interaction happens. It's a it's a very good question. So um, I'll answer it in two ways. The first one is the um, the fact that um, what is interesting in the South African context is that the constitutional court judgment and, and uh, sort of everything that entails is, doesn't always translate to the decision that police make uh, upon arrest. So even to this day, people are getting arrested with, uh, with cannabis on them, less than 100 grams, uh, you know, sort of concealed in a public area uh, or going plants at home and so forth. So this is actually one really important challenge that the industry is, is facing at the moment and that uh, the law was saying one thing was pointing to one direction, but uh, the police force uh, very often have don't actually either know or believe that, that the laws have changed, which is uh, something that is obviously deeply concerning, and, and you've had situations of, of, of people being arrested and so forth. Um, so that's one very, very important area. Number two, when it comes to uh, medical cannabis, um, so... In, in South Africa, we are still very, very early in terms of medical cannabis uh, and sort of providing a framework for patients to be able to access cannabis. I think by our estimates, there's only about 500 uh, medical cannabis uh, patients that have been approved by the regulator, which is SAPRA. Um, now, the, um, if you are uh, carrying a, a, a cannabis, South Africa at present does not have a... Uh, a commonly used identification or, um, uh, you know, sort of a, a card uh, similar to the U.S. where you can actually say, look, I'm actually a medical patient. And so this also speaks to the, um, the lack of congruency between different laws and regulations uh, in the country. Uh, but we do expect the Department of Health and Supper to introduce these in coming, uh, in coming months, hopefully, uh, not years. <laughs> But, uh, but, you know, there's still a lot of work that has to be done to really set up the, 
the, the framework for, by which locally grown licensed cannabis can be sold to South African patients. Because at, at present, with a license, it's effectively for export only. So you actually have to find international buyers in Australia, Israel, Germany, uh, you know, which are some of the largest consumer markets for medical cannabis in the world. And you can't really actually sell cannabis in South Africa, even with a license. Yeah. I mean, so would you say with the restrictions that we have at the moment, we still need to re-look at it or they are fine as they are at the moment in South Africa? No, I think there's a long, long way to go and a lot of work. So that that point that I made about um, licensed uh, uh, cannabis uh, facilities or operators not being able to sell cannabis locally is a huge, it's a huge um, challenge because we know that, you know, the South Africa probably has north of 2 million uh, uh, people that have got conditions um, by which cannabis can either help uh, or, or help sort of um, uh, cure certain uh, medical ailments and so forth. Um, but those, but that pathway has not been uh, designed as yet, and, and uh, we still, uh, in some way, from having it in place. Um, I think there's also a deep need for uh, better connection between government departments. Uh, organizations because they seem to work in silos. Like, for example, a lot of the engagement we have with governments when we speak to the Department of Health or uh, Department of Agriculture, the Department of Justice, we haven't really seen them being represented. And I think that then, um, you know, sort of um, gives you an idea of why you have the situation where people are still being arrested when uh, the, the law has actually made provision for people to, uh, to have cannabis on them or to have cannabis at home. All right. Thank you so much, Fusiso, for joining us, giving us an insight as to what is really legal and what is not legal and the laws that still need to be revisited. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks so much, Jason, and really, really appreciate uh, the time and uh, look forward to our next conversation. Definitely. <laughs> it's Busiso Klaba, who is the co-founder and CEO of Cannabis of Africa Cannabis Advisory uh, Advisory Group and a medical cannabis and industrial hemp services provider offering strategy, investment, compliance, exports, and technology solutions to the African cannabis industry. He has an extensive um, experience covering Africa, specializing in capital markets, deal structuring, syndication, venture capital, fundraising, and hedging solutions and portfolio management. Talking to us about cannabis in South Africa, the laws and the laws it's like i don't care area code every weekdays from 9 to 12 p.m only on vow fm 88.1